This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring you biblical truth despite what the popular movements or networks of the day teach or those silly folks that like to misrepresent the Puritans. We know who you are. We are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matteroftheology and become a subscriber. We do have a variety of plans and... uh, I mean, definitely want Josh to to kick up some uh, some teachings for us. But uh, I mean, I think Chris and I are about to start ramping up. So uh, you got to put me on the spot like that, man. <laughs> doing me dirty to like do that. that to me, bro. Dude, gotta, here's the thing, man. People need to like join that. Patreon. People need to join Patreon so I don't do teachings. If you don't want me to do <laughs> teachings, throw us some kashishe. <laughs> Life be like that sometimes. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we do understand, given the the coronavirus pandemic and people being out of work and income uh, being very low, we understand uh, if you cannot uh, join and subscribe or donate. Definitely, if it hinders you from tithing to your church, uh, we definitely recommend that that be the first place you uh you donate your money. Uh, but if you would like to donate to us just the conventional way, Faithful Life Ministries is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So your donation is tax, tax deductible. So remember that. But on today's episode, uh, we are going to be discussing a hard truth. And it centers really around the question of who are the children of God? And you may honestly be surprised at the answer that we're going to give. Although, actually, our audience probably won't be surprised. Not really. Well, why don't you know? You you put out a poll the other day. That's that, exactly what I was about to get to. Man. Go for it. So, uh, I the other day I put out a poll on Instagram and Facebook, and if you follow me or on friends with me, you saw it. And the the first question I asked was this. Is every person a child of God? Yes or no? Then to follow that up, I asked, how did you come to your conclusion? And to my astonishment, uh, the vote was split 50-50. And this demonstrated to me that not many people read or study their Bibles. And there was one thing that was actually very interesting that I thought is that almost every person, not, not all, but almost every person that answered no to that question gave a biblical reference to how they arrived at that conclusion, while no one that answered yes explained how they arrived there, with the exception of one, but he gave the answer he thought I was looking for, uh, for just to be argumentative. Uh, he, he, he gave what he thought I was looking for. Um, but uh, 
One, never give Drew what he's looking for. Never give me what I'm looking for. <laughs> but he's one of the droids you're looking for. <laughs> Still <laughs> but, hasn't found what he's looking for. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but there was one answer that, that I thought really hit the nail on the head. And we're going to be talking about this, not, not mainly this episode. We're going to touch on a little bit, but, but in a future episode. Um, and the answer was this. How did you arrive at your conclusion? The understanding of the doctrine of adoption. And that was from IG handle, your boy Harv. Uh, so shout out to your boy Harv on Instagram. Uh, I messaged him and told him that that it was the exact answer that I was looking for. Uh, and he also encouraged us with the podcast as well. So I figured I'd give him a shout out. Um, nice. But really, he, he's absolutely right. When we start talking about who are the children of God, you really can't help but get into the, the discussion of the doctrine of adoption. And again, we're not going to dive deep into that uh, this episode, we're, but we are going to touch on it a little bit because it is necessary. Uh, but really, we're going to be looking at who are the children of God and really is every person a child of God. Uh, but really to do that, we, we have brought in a special guest to help us, and that is Josh Loftus. Josh, how you doing, man? <laughs> Hey, you know, guys, it's really good to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, I've always wondered if uh, you know you'd ever have me back. Oh, we are man. glad that you're here, man. Uh, I've been you under podcast discipline for the past, uh, you know, <laughs> what has it been a month? <laughs> podcast quarantine. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, I needed that laugh today. No, I back. needed that I'm one, back, guys. It's been a while. It's been podcast. Uh, you cannot take. Been, hey. You cannot take the virtual Lord's Supper when we do that. Never. Dude, you know what? I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it anyway. So, joke's on you. <laughs> oh my but I am gosh. back, yes. It's good to be Welcome with you guys back, again. Buddy. Good to be with Mr. our listeners. I know, Sorry, yeah, listeners, we... I left you with these two yahoos. Yeah, yeah. you know, we <laughs> did we, we really went over the time limits uh, that you set for us. In the I am back months. to rein us in, boys. Yep, my eye. God's eye is on the sparrow. My eye is on the timer. <laughs> nice. Well, and a few weeks ago, I, I, I brought this topic up um, with Drew uh, as just we, we, we talk every day anyway. And I, I brought up this, this idea of, of talking about this because it is, it, it is, a, it is a common misconception uh, that that all made in the image of God are the children of God. You know, you hear people say all the time, well, well, we're just all God's children. And well, that's not true according to what scripture says. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot uh, in this episode. You're going to hear um, the, the topic of God's wrath talked about a lot in this episode. Um and and we're going to come back at the end and, and talk about the good news and 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 but it all kind of centers around um, a passage of scripture out of Romans chapter five, in verse ten the apostle Paul writes, uh, "For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through death through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by His life." And uh, that is the good news. That is the great news. But we have to remember that, that we as natural man and as natural men are at enmity with God. Uh, scripture states that we are, um, we are in and under his wrath. And uh, in the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes that, that, that God is angry with these sinners daily, every single day. Um, just, just today, uh, just as a recap, um, and something that I've wanting to read more of, I, I read Jonathan Edwards, uh, sermon, Jonathan Edwards, of course, being perhaps, uh, arguably the greatest American theologian and pastor that, uh, has existed. Um, you know, the, the sermon centers in the hands of an angry God and Jonathan Edwards reminds us in that sermon that the only thing that keeps us from the wrath of God, the uh, he, he calls the wrath of God like great waters that are dammed up for the present, and that they increase more and more and rise higher and higher till an outlet is given. Um, and and once God releases that, the only thing keeping us 
from falling into hell because of our own sin, from falling into, as natural men apart from Christ, into the snare of our father, the devil, is the grace of God, the hand of God, by the mere pleasure of God. And so we just wanted to have a conversation around that. And what does scripture say about that? Um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the, kind of the background of, of that. And, and, you know, amid what's happening in the world with this global pandemic of COVID-19, um, you know, you've heard that said a lot. You've heard that said from, uh, you know, amongst other awful things that the president's spiritual advisor has said that, you know, that we're all God's children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, from there, fellas, I'll, what you got? Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, language is important, specific language is important, especially talking about theological topics like this. And I think a lot of people don't understand what they're actually saying when they say someone is a child of God. I know some people that use that term as just kind of a general, you know, we're all, we're all created by God. We're all made in God's image. And that's true. That's a true statement, but scripture is very specific when it uses the term children, especially in the context of salvation, the context of adoption, what it actually means to be a child of God. Um, The language is very, very specific. And as we're working through this, it's, I think it's vital and important to remember that there are many people that I think use this type of language because it's very hard for them to picture loved ones of their own as not being a child of God, right? Sure. Some of the language that we're going to be using uh, is biblical language, but it's hard language and mm. it's language that is necessary, especially in today's society, the way that the church is. Um, and we need to be constantly understanding one, there are people out there that have family members that aren't saved. And it's very difficult to think of someone that you love in the context of them not being of the elect, not being saved, not being a recipient of salvation. That's a very difficult, that might be one of the most difficult things that you have to deal with as a Christian. Mm. Um, But just because a truth is difficult does not mean that we are silent on it because the, the comfort and the peace to deal with that difficult truth comes with the truth itself. It comes with scripture. It comes with the gospel and a correct understanding of who God is and our relationship toward him because of Christ. So as we're doing this, it's going to be, there's going to be harsh things said. It is not our intention to be overly harsh. No, we are going to be saying stately. We're going to be stating simply what scripture says, because the truth is important when we're talking about, the elect, when we're talking about the children of God and how one is a children of God, or excuse me, a child of God, very, very important. It's fundamental uh, primary stuff because you're dealing with how you understand the gospel, whether or not somebody is saved. So it is on that level um, of importance as we're talking about, you know, whether someone is saved or not, what does that look like? So we will do uh, our due diligence to obviously not add a hot sauce to the, <laughs> to the already spicy <laughs> truth, but, but it is going to be difficult. So just bear with us on that. Well, and, and I think it's motivation, right? It's motivation for us to say, you know, when we, we, we have to think about this stuff, we have to ponder and meditate on the truths found in the whole counsel of God. Um, you know, it was last year that uh, Andy Stanley said something from, uh, the stage, I won't say pulpit, I'll just say stage, uh, from North Point, he just said that if anybody tells you that God is angry and not saddened over your sin, but he a- is angered over it, he's an Old Testament preacher. And uh, we're New Testament preachers. Uh, we're New Covenant preachers. And and went on and on and on, and, and, and he continues to pontificate on the fact of, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, he continues to talk about how, I mean, continues to degrade the sufficiency, the infallibility and, er- and inerrancy of scripture. And that's another reason for kind of wanting to talk about this is because, you know, ultimately, you know, Hebrews, end of Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6, the writer of Hebrews makes a statement that, that you know, you are still requiring milk when you should be, you should be eating solid food. You should be growing and you should be a teacher by now. So there are some of us 
who fall into the camp of um, uh, biblical laziness, uh, biblical ig ignorance, because we're lazy, because we spend more time. And again, and this is this is speaking to me as much as anybody else who may hear what I'm about to say. But we spend more time binge watching Netflix or Prime or Disney Plus. Or I recently got CBS All Access because one of my favorite shows ended, and and that's been a something I've had to had to be careful of, to be honest. Uh, Hawaii Five O is a great show. I'm just saying. Um, but um, you know, we spend more time there especially during this time when most people, not, not the three of us, but most people are sheltered in place and staying home. And, but, but you find this biblical ignorance or this, this biblical laziness, um, uh, or, or, you know, we just don't want to think about this kind of stuff, but we have to, we have to remember, and we have to think about that, um, that apart from Christ, I mean, that is the only way he is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. And the only way to, to be saved from the wrath of God is by God himself through his son. But you have to know this. You have to know that the natural man is at enmity with God, that, that you as a child were, of God are, were once there. Um, Josh, speaking to your point, I have family, uh, close family, that are not believers. Um, I have one right now uh, in a very perilous periled or perilous how would you say that uh state of of not having long to live and while he may have a head knowledge of religion i'm not sure that he possesses saving faith in the lord jesus christ and you're absolutely right that is a that is a heart-wrenching place to be um but we we have to be aware of what the scriptures teach and contrary to what uh, false teachers like Andy Stanley would uh, would state it's important to note uh, our condition pre-salvation, pre-justification. We have to be aware of those things, and uh, and so yeah, Josh, to your point exactly. Uh, you know, we're going to say things like that, like we're going to talk about the wrath of God. We're going to talk about what it means to be an enemy of God, um, but it's it's said in love and it's said out of. Uh, concern to for for anybody who uh, would choose to listen to this um, that that you yourself would examine your own life um, and then also the, the lives of those that around you don't be ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God into salvation um, so so yeah that, that that's that's just kind of kind of where where we wanted to go and 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 talk about tonight so Drewski what you got man yeah there's a uh... There's something that I have discovered in probably the past eight years or so, and I, I call it identity theology. And it, it, this mainly centers around, you know, the charismatic movement, where what you really have to do is that they don't make the distinction between a creation of God and a child of God. Because th there's, a, there's a distinction there. Everyone is a creation of God, but not everyone is a child of God. Right. But in this identity theology, what it is, is everyone is assumed to be a child of God. You just have to realize your identity as that. So what that does is that actually diminishes uh, the reality of man's nature and his uh, need for repentance of, of, of sin, the, the throwing off of his old self, and the coming to Christ. Yeah, uh, to quote uh, my man Daryl Harrison, he calls that, uh, you're, not a, you're not a theologian, you're a, uh, you're a philologian. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's philology, it's not mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. It's philology, because it's going by experience instead of going by truth. Right. And, and and the truth is, absolutely, we are all created in the image of God uh, as the Imago Dei, as we've talked about before, when we talk about subjects as uh, i.e. abortion, slavery, etc. Um, there should be a respect given, um, uh, a respect of life, uh, a love given even uh, to those made in the image of God. But that does not mean that those just because you are made in the image of God, created in the image of God. Uh, are a child of God. And what are the implications of that? 
um, you know, you, you look at uh, John chapter 17. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking of that right off, right off the gate when uh, this is considered Jesus's great high priestly prayer. And, uh, and he specifically talks about in there, he says, but now I've come to you in verse 13, uh, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word and, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Um, and those whom he's talking about there, um, he says in John 17, and I can't find the verse now, but it basically says, I'm not asking for the whole world, but those whom you have given me. Like that's a specific prayer that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is praying on behalf of those who are the elect, those who the father has given, uh, to the son as a love gift and those outside of that scripture says uh, that we are again enemies of god we are uh, to quote again to quote jonathan edwards we are sinners in the hands of an angry god and it is only by the pleasure the mere pleasure and working of his will that we are not immediately cast uh, into hell because that's what we deserve because of our sin that's where we are you know, we see in Scripture, how many times have we talked about Romans 3, right? The wages of sin is death. Is that Romans 3 or Romans 5? Dun, 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 dun. I think it's 3. Uh, <laughs> uh, not good. If I don't know that, I'll have to look that up. So just double check that. I'm tired, y'all. Show grace. Um, the wages of sin is death. And again, I already said it, you know, that God is, is angry with the wicked every day. Um, you know, Scripture... Scripture is clear in John chapter 8, you know, in talking to Jesus, talking to the Pharisees, he says in verse 41, you are doing the deeds of your father. Uh, they said to him, these are the Pharisees speaking to Jesus, and uh, his response was, uh, we were not born in fornication. We have one father, God. But Jesus' response to them, Jesus said to them in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And that, again, uh, reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2. We're all familiar with that great epistle uh, and that great section of Scripture. Um, but I just want to read that, just to catch the weight of that. You know, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So again, that's, that's scripture further speaking to the fact that apart from Christ, apart from adoption in Christ, we are of our father, the devil. We are sons of dis disobedience. Um, and, and through the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah and through the, through the Psalms, uh, all throughout Scripture, we see uh, what is coming and what has happened to those whom are under God's wrath. We need a Savior. We have to remember that. We are not all children of God. Yeah, the, it's important to recognize that when we start trying to discuss uh, and view who is a and who is not a child of God, especially just in, in talking to people uh, in our everyday lives. I mean, one of the questions we should ask is, you know, 
for, for clarity, you know, what was your nature before Christ, right? If they don't understand that their nature apart from Christ was that they were children of wrath, that they had God's wrath set against them, that they weren't actually a child of God. Uh, if they don't understand that, well, uh, then it, there's a good chance that they're not a child of God, which we should then graciously uh, demonstrate that to them through Scripture uh, and give them the gospel. But, I mean, especially in the South, you know, everyone has this idea that everyone is a child of God, right? And, and again, this plays into the idea of uh, soteriology, um, it's directly connected that all you have to do is, you know, based upon your own free will is that you have to come into right relationship with God because he's done everything that he can possibly do. And now it's up to you. Well, that's just not the case. We, because of our nature, we have to have a, a proper understanding of our nature because of our sinful nature that is against God, enmity with God, enemies we are haters of God uh, when we are apart from Christ. That's Romans 1. We cannot come to God under our own free will or under our own desire. We cannot, we, we cannot just claim our identity as a child of God and have it be so. Uh, it is God who has to regenerate us. It is God who has to draw us. It is God who has to send forth his spirit to work in us and move us and change our hearts and bring us to life. And then once he does that, well, then we're justified. We're adopted. We begin yeah. the process of sanctification. Um, I, I mean, but this all starts with an understanding that we are rebel sinners against God. That is our nature. Yeah, well, I mean, you look, all bad theology has at its root an incorrect view of who God is. Mm. And that's why you see men like Andy Stanley, men like, you know, anybody in the Word of Faith movement, Bill Johnson, Bethel Hillsong, what, you know, whatever it is, you look at the horrible theology that's being spouted and some of these ideas that you're like, where in the world are you getting that? It seems like it's such out of left field. It it all stems from the same problem that they have an incorrect and an unbiblical and a heretical view of who God is. Mm. And when you start with that premise, if your foundation is off, right, the person mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done, if that foundation is even, is even slightly tilted to one side or the other, the rest of the building that is built on that foundation is going to be sideways yeah. and eventually it's going yeah. to fall. Yeah, that's right. right? So yeah. it yeah. Need, we need to understand that these people, like, like you were saying, Drew, who, who have this idea that everyone's in the, in the family of God, it's almost a, it's almost a, a view of uh, universalism in a way, is they have an incorrect view of who God is. Right. That's where it's starting from. Yeah, I hear yeah. RC. I hear RC when you, that's our problem. We don't, we don't know who God is. That's and, our problem. And, yeah. And, and that's, that's what's wrong with you people. Yeah. That, yeah exactly. that, that's something I was thinking about. I, I, you know, I just finished uh, A.W. Pink's book, the attributes of God. And, um, and, and I mean, he starts by talking about that uh, in the introduction of that book is, you know, we, what we need obviously is saving knowledge of God, but we don't know who God is. Mm -hmm. And I would say this, especially in the church, we truly, Overall, overall, yes, uh, yeah. you know, obviously there, 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 there are churches who are closer to the mark, and none of us will ever be there until glorification, right? Until, until we are, until our, our, our faith has become sight, um, and even then, we are still created beings, and we are still finite in the presence of infinite. Um, but we don't know who God is. We, and, and I'll take it a step further. Not only do we not know who God is, but because we don't know who God is, we don't fear him. We don't fear the one, uh, as, as Jesus said, don't fear the one who can just kill the body. Feel the, fear the one who can both kill the body and kill the soul um, by sending the soul to hell. We, we don't fear God anymore, especially in our country. And, and I would say this, for the whole of the evangelical church, there is not a healthy 
fear of who God is. And well, it was it was Tozer that said uh, the most important thing about you is what right. you think about when you think about think God. about God. That's absolutely right. You know, I mean, we don't we don't talk about. I mean, you don't hear sermons anymore. For, again, for the most part, I know there are exceptions. I'm not painting with a broad brush and saying that everyone. But we don't we don't hear sermons like this. You know, we don't hear this quote: "The bow of God's wrath is bent, and the arrow made ready on the string." And justice bends the arrow at your heart and, and strains the bow, and it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being drunk with your blood. Thus, all you that never passed under the great change of heart by the mighty power of the Spirit of God upon your souls— all you that were never born again and made new creatures and raised from being dead in sin to a state of new and before altogether unexperienced light of, and life and are in the hands of an angry God, period, close quote. Like you don't, you don't hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't hear the reminder that, uh, that, that, that we are object for the most, again, for the most part, that we are already under com- condemnation, that we deserve to be cast into hell um, because of our sin. You don't, you don't hear that that much anymore. And now what, go ahead. one of the things I, I want to ask is for the preachers who don't preach that way anymore, or for uh, just the everyday layman uh, who doesn't, you know, speak about these truths, who claim that every person is a child of God, what is the benefit? Who are you helping when you, you dilute the wrath of God, when you, when you twist the, a, a view of our nature and our need of repentance to come into true relationship with God? What's the benefit? I, I think, think it's, it's, oh, go ahead, Josh. No, I, I, I think it's one of two things. I think on one side of the argument, you have preachers and ministry leaders that don't speak on it because they they want money and yep. financial gain and prestige and power and influence don't come by telling people usually the truth. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, I think that you have individuals that honestly do not believe or see how being negative or what they would define as being negative, being harsh, being critical is good for anybody, (laughs) right? So you have on one side, the charlatans and the wolves that are actively trying to get something. I think you have on the other side, individuals who honestly might have good intentions of wanting to encourage people but what they don't understand is that that in that encouragement they are sacrificing the actual thing that will bring peace bring satisfaction that they're trying to help people with so i would throw people honestly like joel olstein in that category who i i i honestly believe joel olstein believes what he says i think he actually believes it oh piggybacking on that oh i'm sorry buddy go ahead no, 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 and and I think he he genuinely does not see the the benefit and the necessity of speaking about the wrath of God. And again, it just comes back to an incorrect view of who God is. If you don't see God as wrathful, as having wrath, you don't see a need to escape it. So you're not going to preach a true gospel. You're not going to preach from scripture, and you're not going to tell people what they actually need. It's just going to be a encouraging. Uh, you know, motivational speak. Yeah, well, and, and I would say, so what that ends up turning into, just kind of piggybacking a little <laughs> bit on that, is I think of Paul, uh, multiple places in Scripture, I think of Paul's words initially in Galatians, Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to, uh, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. First uh, Corinthians 10.33, uh, just as I also please men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Ultimately, that's what we want. And then First Thessalonians 2.4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, 
So we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. So I read those passages of scripture and then offer this commentary to that. The men, and this is going to be strong, but please hear my heart in this. The men who do that, the Joel Olsteins, the Andy Stanleys, they're not bond servants of Christ. They're not. They are bond servants to their own will, and they seek to please the men and the women around them. Josh, I would also agree because of financial gain, um, but because ultimately they're ashamed. They're ashamed of the gospel, and they are not true bond servants of Christ. Um, now, whether that means they are not genuine believers, I would not dare to make that call. Uh, in the case of Andy Stanley, I believe that he is. In the case of Joel Olstein, I don't believe that he is. Um, just based on the fruit that, that, that we continue to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're bond servants to their own will and the fear of men instead of the fear of God. Yeah, And we can ultimately, him. we got to be careful. All of us can fall into that at any given time in any given way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, I think that's part of it. I, I also think Drew, to answer your question, it could be, again, it could be an ignorance thing. Uh, and if it's an ignorance thing coming from a pulpit and a pastor and preacher, they don't need to be a pastor and preacher. Um, they need to, uh, Spurgeon would say they need to live in the Bible and read many good books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All those are, are, are very good. I mean, and I'll just throw one thing that I've heard, uh, over the years is that, you, you know, when you speak this way, when you speak in the truths, the hard truths, uh, but the truths that actually glorify God and would save a sinner, uh, people get upset and they say, well, that's just going to push them further away from God. Well, what they fail to realize is that because of their nature, they're already running as fast as they can away from God. Therefore, anything you say that is biblical and full of truth and and God's graciousness towards sinners, Christ's sheep will hear Christ's voice in that. Mm -hmm. And they will either continue running in their hatred of God, or they will stop and they will be drawn in by the truth uh, proclaimed in Scripture. Well, and I'm again it, it, reminding people, reminding people of the truths um, as far as the conditions of their heart uh, and 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 their their grave condition before a holy God. Um, should again, I go back to that word fear. It should. There should be a whole a dread there of uh, of what God can do. Um, there absolutely should be. You have to know the bad news before you can know, know the good news. Um, and I mean, Drew, like you said, that they're already they're already running away. They're already running away and running as fast as they can uh, away from the Lord um, willingly. Um, and, and giving them that truth, that's what the Holy Spirit uses. Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will they hear unless, unless they're told? How will they t- I mean, you got to have a preacher. You got to have the word. Um, so, yeah. Now, there's another thing I wanted, wanted to bring up. Um, I'm reading right now uh, Dr. Stephen Lawson's new book, New Life in Christ. And uh, it's, it's an excellent devotionally written exposition of John 3. Uh, about Nicodemus's encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that he points out um, in the first few chapters of this book, um, you know, of course, John chapter three starts with, uh, now there was a man, uh, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs as you can do unless God is with him. And then, of course, Jesus answered and said to him immediately, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so one of the things that Dr. Lawson points out is is Nicodemus was considered by Jesus to be a teacher, an excellent teacher. And so, so one of the things I wanted to talk about just with the three of us is, you know, Dr. Lawson points out that the hardest people to reach with the gospel 
the hardest people to reach with the gospel are those who would seemingly be as close to it as they possibly can be without possessing it. Mm. Those who know the scriptures here in the head, those who can answer all the questions, give all the right questions, answer all the right questions, uh, say all the right things, do all the right things even, but still never cross that line into having their heart replaced, that stone, that heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. So just wanted to kind of open that up for conversation just to see what you guys wanted to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, <laughs> many will say in the end, Lord, Lord, did we not do all yeah. these things, oh. right? So, and it's it's a scary reality. Um, and I think we we need to address it because it's it's something that we can all easily fall into but if we're not careful we can take it too far into doubting our salvation right right so you you don't want to take it to the point to where i am living in dread 24 7 that i am not of the elect that i'm that i'm going to hell that i'm going to be one of those that say lord lord did i not do all these things because when we do that we are forgetting the strength that our salvation rests upon that's right right the strength of our salvation does not rest upon the fervency or the vigor of our belief. It rests upon the fervency and the vigor of Christ's sustaining, persevering power. Amen. That's what our salvation is based upon. And when we reach heaven that day, you look at that verse, look at what the individuals are pointing to as evidence of their salvation. Lord, Lord, did not we... we do all these things. Did not we prophesy? Did not we do this? When I get to heaven, I'm going to be on my knees saying, Lord, Lord, you, Amen. you bought me, you purchased me. Amen. Right. And <clears throat> that is the key difference, subtle though it may seem, it has eternal implications, is that what are you trusting in for your salvation? When we are talking about it being a child of God at the end of the day, what does that mean? You need a correct view of the gospel. Mm -hmm. You need a correct view of who Christ is, what he has done, and how that salvation is given to you, mm -hmm. right? That must be there. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, I mean, something Chris and I were talking about earlier um, is, you, you know, we can say, you know, what's the difference between a child of God and, and not child of God, or we can say, what's the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous? How do you recognize the two? And I've heard it said that the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is, well, the righteous just get up when they fall. Well, that's not true because the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is that the righteous, even though they may fall, are still carried through by none other than Christ. Amen. So that so that their failure is actually not even recognized. It's actually looked at through uh, Christ. And while you know sin or or whatnot may be uh, chastised by God, which is how we know that we are a child of God, um, because That's God a, only yeah, chastens those yeah. uh, whom He loves. Um, we are carried through by Christ. While it is the unrighteous who, when they fall, they rely on none other than themselves to pick back up because they don't have a mediator. They don't have a savior that can carry them through. Well, and I mean, that's, that's the doctrine of imputed righteousness, right? And the active Correct. obedience of Christ, Amen. the active obedience mm -hmm. of Christ. Yes. And there are some, even in the reformed community or the, the Calvinistic community that don't believe in the active obedience of Christ. And I, I shake my head. I'm like, why would you not want to believe in that? It's such a beautiful doctrine mm -hmm. in that you, you, <laughs> The fact that Christ lived the life that we were supposed to live on our behalf so that when we do fall, when we do make those mistakes and we are unrighteous and we are sinful and we do put our own sinful, prideful heart above mm. following God and his precepts, God does not look at us and see us. He looks at us and sees Jesus. That's, That's right. right. Because to say that, well, the difference is that one gets up and one doesn't is to actually have a form of prevenient grace, right? Because oh, yeah. it, it makes everyone yeah. on the same level. And the only difference is, well, one, one just acts upon that and the other doesn't. Well, it's still, it's still just to Josh's point, Drew, it's still you getting up. Right. That, right. That's the problem. It's, yeah. it's you getting up. Right. Um, and, and that's not it. I, I, and Drew, we've talked about that, the Paul Wash, uh, illustration that Paul Washer uses. 
you know, of two foot, two different sets of footprints walking down the beach and, and, you know, the, the meme or the poster or the picture or whatever it is that says, you know, God walked with me through X, Y, Z wrong. No, there's one set of footprints. It's the footprints of Jesus. And he has carried you through everything you've gone through, everything that you've experienced in your Christian life. Um, and, and Josh, to your point, you're absolutely right. We rest in the sovereignty of God. We rest in the fact that as Romans 8 says, that nothing can separate us, nothing. Paul goes through this litany of things, and then he says, nor anything else in all of creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But we need to, at the same time, though, we ha- it's, it's always good to examine. It's always good to remember. Mm-hmm all that God has done. It's always good to, to look back, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you hear that saying, you know, if you want to see how far you've come, look at, look at how, wait, if you want to see how far you've been, look at how far you've come or something to that effect. Yeah. Look at what God has brought you through. Look at through, look at through his sovereignty and grace, all that he has done and accomplished Mm -hmm. for your good and his glory. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and at the end of the day, if you want to answer the question, am I a child of God, or as is this person a child of God, you have to ask yourself, do you believe in the salvific work of Jesus Christ on the That's cross, right. and That's trust right. in Him, and His grace and His work alone for your salvation, not leaving any provision mm-hmm. for your flesh, for your works, or your own righteousness? Do you believe it is all of Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes, then rest in that truth absolutely yeah that is what we rest in yeah i don't know why anyone would want to rest in anything anything else because that puts a tremendous weight on the individual to constantly feel as though they need to maintain their childhood uh of of god whereas what scripture teaches plain as day is that none of us desire to be children of god but that it is only of the work of Christ and God drawing us that we are made children of God. Therefore, be, because it is, it is not a work of us, it is only of God. Therefore, we should be able to rest in that. And that should lead us to, to even more glorious worship of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not out of obligation, mm-hmm. but out of love. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And, and, and that's, that's the difference. Yeah, I'm reminded of a quote by a friend of mine, John Michael Ritchie. He said, uh, uh, he said he was thankful that uh, uh, that our that his relationship with God uh, was not contingent on how hard I hold on to him, but how much he holds on to me. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the absolute truth. And that's what you see wrought throughout of Scripture. And that's mm-hmm. that, that that's that's another reason. Again, another reason to uh, to be thankful to be thankful for his salvific work, to be thankful for the active and the passive obedience of Christ on our behalf. Um, and, and, and again, to encourage us, to, uh, to stir us, to, uh, to prod us even, to admonish us, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. to talk about what he has done and accomplished on our behalf. Um, uh, to as many people uh, as we possibly can, to live in that confidence mm-hmm. that we are uh, the children of God, to live in the confidence and rest in all that God has done for us. Um, and, and that when, uh, Josh, again, to your point, I think of, you know, Jonathan Edwards said this, Josh, and, and, and it's very, very close to what you said. He said, uh, quote, but in actually bestowing salvation on us, after we are justified, we are not looked upon as sinners, but as perfectly righteous persons. He beholds no iniquity in us. We are no more enemies, but reconciled. When God gave Christ to die for the elect, he looked on them as they are in themselves, but in actually bestowing eternal life, he looks on them as they are in Christ, period, close quote. And that's from his sermon, uh, Men Are Naturally God's Enemies. Yeah. And so to wrap things up, um, you know, we've, we've really discussed uh, who is and who is not a child of God and and basically gave you, uh, I don't want to say a litmus test, but really just uh, 
uh, scripture, what scripture says, uh, mainly for you to examine yourself, not just to go point the finger at other people, but to examine yourself. And in examining yourself, it should cause you to want to talk to other people. Now, these are going to be difficult, sometimes uncomfortable discussions, but they're necessary to have uh, because they get to Bible clarity, which is one thing we should all desire for. Um, so, So closing thoughts, Josh and then Chris. Yeah, I would just say closing thoughts is that, you know, we just as children in real life, we are completely dependent upon our parents. <laughs> We're completely dependent upon our mother and our father. And, and j- just as that is true, it's, it's true in spiritual life as well. We are completely dependent upon our father in heaven and our brother in Jesus Christ, mm. right? And that we, everything that we are, everything that holds us as a child of God, everything that defines us in that light is because of Christ. It's because of his power. It's because of his work on the cross on our behalf. And if you find yourself having doubts um, in that, don't look to proof of salvation within yourself. Look for the assurance and the salvation in the power of Jesus Christ. Ask yourself the question, how powerful is my Jesus? Hmm. The answer must be, he is all powerful. And if he is all powerful, he is not going to let you go. And because of that, we can work and we can strive out of thankfulness and out of love and out of gratitude, not out of obligation or fear that we will slip from his grasp. That's not possible with as powerful as Christ is. Yeah. uh, You know, I I would say as a reminder, um, uh, uh, you know, a couple of things. Uh, Yes, examine yourself. Absolutely. Um, and ask yourselves, you know, the, these questions, do you have a new heart? Have you experienced the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you, uh, do you know more about him in your head or is it a combination that what you know about Christ, uh, encourages your heart to worship him and to hate your sin and to want to put to death your sin? And if the answer to that question is yes, then take heart. You are not an enemy of God any longer. Uh, that when Christ looks or when the God, the Father looks upon you, he sees the righteousness of his son uh, that has been draped over you because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. Uh, so, yes, take inventory. Do you have a new heart? Do you have a new life in Christ? Um, and, and if so rejoice, um, and, and share that with others, uh, again, because we are all, we are all not guaranteed one more breath. Um, and it again is by the mere pleasure of God that we, and a mere grace of God on the just and the unjust that we have the next breath and the next breath and the next breath. So give God praise, fear God, not man. Um, and, uh, well, with that, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank our special guest, Josh Loftus, for stopping by. <laughs> we may have to add yeah. you as a regular to the show, man. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, gee, guys. <laughs> but uh, we hope that this episode has blessed you. Uh, be on the lookout for future episode on adoption, because I believe that is one of the uh, most overlooked doctrine uh, in in biblical theology um and we really want to bring that to one of the most precious one of the most precious that's right but we're getting out of here later Bye. bye